So shortly, as mentioned, we'll be reading this story from Acts 2, verses 1 to 21, about Pentecost. And Pentecost symbolizes a new beginning with the unleashing of the Holy Spirit. It is the beginning of the New Testament church. I wish I could say that today is a new beginning with the church here being filled and gathered again after COVID-19. But we're not yet together here. But what new beginning can we still celebrate today? We celebrate Jesus fulfilling his promise 10 days earlier in sending the Holy Spirit. We celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit in renewing all creation. We celebrate that the church, through the Spirit's power, continues its mission. We celebrate that the church grows in awareness of its calling to reach the world of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There is cause for celebration. Before we read this miraculous story from Acts 2, verses 1 and 21, let's come to God in prayer together. Father, Savior, and Holy Spirit, breathe on us as we read from your living word. And not only hear it, but take it in with all our senses and with all our heart. It is not in our own power or wisdom that we'll understand these words. It's through the Spirit's power and wisdom. And yet, we do have the choice to resist this. So open our hearts and minds to be resilient and palpable to what you are speaking to us today in this place. It's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts 2, verse 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they, the twelve disciples, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them. They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this powerful and awe-filled story of Pentecost is recorded in Acts 2. Pentecost, again, was 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, 10 days after his ascension. The disciples were together celebrating during the Feast of Weeks, and this was the Harvest Festival, which gathered many different nationalities back to the city of Jerusalem. Nations, they were coming together to celebrate the harvest of their crops. And on this day of celebration, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples of Jesus. What began here was not about the harvest of crops. It was about the harvest of God's people into the church. So the first 13 verses of this chapter tell us about the dramatic story of Pentecost. And we read about a violent wind, we read about tongues of fire, and we read, read about speaking in different languages and tongues. And so we're going to look at these three things for a moment. From the perspective of good and bad. From the perspective of conflicting meanings. This passage referred to a violent wind. Now typically one would think that a violent wind is not very beneficial. Because wind can be destructive. In the story of Job 1, verse 19, we read that a mighty wind destroyed the house where Job's children were feasting. And the house came down and, and by the wind, and the wind killed them. Wind can also represent a blowing away of what's not needed. In Luke 3, wind is referred to as a symbol of judgment. And wind blows away the chaff. So destruction is one perspective of wind. And let's look at it from a different perspective. In Hebrew and Greek, the word for wind is the same word that is used for spirit. When the Old or New Testament authors wrote this word in, Hebrew, in either Hebrew or Greek, it could either mean wind or spirit. And the two are often connected. Early in the service, we sang... The lyrics, it's your breath in our lungs, and we pour out our praise. In the Old Testament book of Ezekiel 37, we have the story of the dry bones coming to life after wind and breath is blown into them. And John 3 is talking with Nicodemus about being reborn through the Spirit and referring to wherever the wind blows. Wind and breath are often used as a symbol of regeneration in the scriptures. And the story of Nicodemus, it includes that familiar passage that we read earlier of John 3, 16 to 17. We read it earlier in the service. And if you notice, when the English version of John 3, 16 to 17 was spoken by the Cody family, Gerald sent the video to me, and I said, well, we may need to do a retake because the wind is a bit of a distraction in the background. Gerald, respond, Gerald responded and reminded me how appropriate it is for Pentecost. No retake was needed. Wind and breath and spirit 
will often represent refreshment and a new beginning. And then in this chapter, after it talks about the violent wind, it refers to tongues of fire. And in the scriptures, fire as well is a twofold. Fire can be devastating. Fire can be dangerous. We read in Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah had sulfur and fire that rained down upon them to destroy the city. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about the fire of hell and eternal fire. James refers to the tongue as a fire, a world of evil among the body parts. The book of Revelation talks about eternal fire and plagues of fire, and fire devouring people, the lake of fire. Fire can be devastating and life-ending. But another perspective is that fire in the scriptures can be used as a symbol of the powerful presence of our God. Throughout the Old Testament, people have burned offerings to the Lord. And these fires, they created an aroma pleasing to the Lord. God led the Israelites through the desert. And he led them with a pillar of fire to provide them guidance and direction. God appeared to Moses through a fiery bush, a flaming bush. And later in the book of Exodus, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, God is a consuming fire. Fire can be exhilarating and life-giving and life-beginning. So fire in Scripture, in the positive sense, goes hand-in-hand with the work of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. Fire is often used for the visible representation of the Holy Spirit. The consuming fire can also be the Holy Spirit consuming our life and surrendering our life to the Holy Spirit. Where there is fire involved, there is often transformation. There is the refining of God's people. So fire can represent new growth and a new beginning. Let's look at a volcano for an example. A volcano that erupts will destroy a large area. Plants and life will all be killed in its path. However, often volcanic ash and soil is rich. And when everything cools down, plants can make a big comeback. And even sometimes new plants begin by seeds being being blown into the area. Again, you got the fire and the wind. Volcanic ash regenerates the soil. With the fire comes new growth. And then we, so we have the violent wind, we have the tongues of fire, and we also have the phrase different tongues or different languages that's used. And three times it's mentioned that the disciples spoke in their own language, in their own language or their own tongues. And language and tongues is often used interchangeably. In other passages of scripture, Different languages uh, represented a punishment, such as in the passage of Genesis, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. God used their different languages to confuse the people and to prevent them from actually being unified. And so now here we are on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is using different languages and different tongues to encourage the spreading of the gospel and the early church to bring unity Different tongues and languages can be a curse and a blessing. Wind, fire, 
and language can all be destructive or used for the blessing and purposes of our God. Well, I think with many things, there are often two opposing and conflicting reactions. In this Pentecost story as well, some of the people were watching in bewilderment and amazement and just standing there in awe. And others were watching in disbelief, assuming that obviously these people are drunk at 9 a.m. Now, everybody is watching the same thing. And yet there are two different responses. There are two opposing reactions. And this is a new beginning for everyone present. Will it be a beginning of disbelief in the power of God? Or will it be a beginning of new life and new faith and growing faith in the power of God? People of God, let us not disbelieve. Let's be like the people who were amazed and perplexed and seeking further understanding. The people asking the question, what does this mean? Because that is an important question to ask in so many situations. What does this mean? What are we learning? What are we trying to further understand? What is God teaching us and how is he refining us? Take all these questions now to what we are experiencing today. Because these are important questions, even now during COVID-19. What is all this about? What are we learning? What does it mean to be church when we are unable to meet on Sunday mornings? What does it mean to be church when we are able to meet again? With COVID-19, this has been very devastating to people's lives. With losses of loved ones, losses to the economy, losses of meeting together socially and spiritually as churches. But like wind and fire and tongues, what new beginnings are we learning through all this? How are we being refined, not only through the, Ho through the Holy Spirit and Pentecost, but also through uncharted circumstances in our lives? In our own lives and in the life of the church. So let us, let us get through COVID-19, but not without transformation to ourselves and transformation to the church. These are exciting times that will follow, and I hope you feel the excitement because God's not going to waste this opportunity to build his kingdom here. In the following verses, 14 to 21, Peter addresses the crowd. And he emphasizes to these people, they're not drunk. Peter, who weeks earlier denied the Lord Jesus three times at, the, at his crucifixion. And here he is now, bold and ready to stand before the people to proclaim the name of Jesus. What a transformation in Peter. Denial to public profession of his faith. Peter connects his listeners to his speech by following up with their statement that it's only nine in the morning. And at the same time, he provides grounds that they are not drunk. He points to the real reason of their behavior. That is the Holy Spirit. And Peter begins to explain what all this means, and he does so by sharing the Old Testament passage from Joel. 
And Peter reaffirms what was prophesied centuries earlier by Joel. Peter states that diverse people will receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people. The Holy Spirit is not just for Jews. He is also for the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit will not discriminate. Sons and daughters and men and women and servants are all going to be prophesying. There is no discrimination. There's no discrimination. There's no distinction. A group of diverse people gathering together proclaiming together the one story of Jesus. There's no holding back to who can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of the New Testament church. And people of God, we are part of this spiritual explosion and this journey today. And yet, there was still opposition. There was still tension. And again, there often is. And so we have to ask ourselves, not what is better for me, but what is going to further God's mission? What is God's will for his church and for the growing of his kingdom here on earth today? The emphasis of this story of Pentecost in the book of Acts is the power that God initiates and empowers to his people It is the power that we receive from God to prophesy, to speak the gospel message to those, the gospel message to those who believe and to those who do not believe, to those who will receive and to those who will not receive. And you know how easy it is for us to go to those who will believe and who will receive. But what about those who do not believe? What about those who may not receive? It's not completely certain when the book of Joel was written. But it was written centuries before Christ was born. And centuries before Pentecost. And likely during Israel's captivity. And so when Joel spoke these words, he was giving the people in the Old Testament a foretaste of things to come. Perhaps Joel was foretelling their freedom from captivity. But he was also foreshadowing the freedom in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is a new beginning. Pentecost takes us back to the Garden of Eden when humanity was separated from God or by God through sin. It takes us back to the Tower of Babel when people were dispersed and separated by language. And in Acts 2 now, people are being brought together through different languages, through the power of the Holy Spirit. What people tend to separate, the Holy Spirit brings together and unifies the power of the Holy Spirit on the church. It's not the power of the people. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the obedience of the people. So what does all this mean? Thank God for Pentecost. Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Bringing a diverse people together as a community, as a body, not as individual churches, but a communal church in unity. You see, COVID-19, you've heard this before, COVID-19 has not closed the churches. COVID-19 has spread the one church to many churches. The disciples were worshiping in one place, in the upper room, only to be sent out 
and dispersed. The church has never only been here. The church has always been here and there and everywhere. The church is wherever God's people are. Because that is where God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And where God and his people are, that's where mission happens. And people of God, it is happening. So cool. This is a new era. This is a new church. It is a new beginning and diversity enters the kingdom of God and the church in Acts 2 and today. St. Clement of Rome, early church father and pope in the first century, states this of Pentecost. Pentecost is about a power of the Holy Spirit that can unify the divided nations without subjugating them. It is a way of making people one without at the same time making them the same. The Holy Spirit is breaking down barriers in the culture. The Holy Spirit doesn't have the desire to make every believer and every church the same. The Holy Spirit doesn't encourage imperialism. The Holy Spirit desires the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit desires a diverse church in which everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Words from centuries ago that are still relevant today. How can we continue to have the fellowship of the Spirit even when we're not physically together in fellowship? People of God, we continue to call on the name of the Lord. We continue to share the gospel in ways that we could not expect to encourage others to call on the name of the Lord. And as with most things, there will be tensions, there will be oppositions, but people... The Holy Spirit has created a new beginning for us in 2020. And he is empowering us to proclaim all that Jesus has done for us through his birth and life, death, resurrection, ascension, and continues to do through the power of the Holy Spirit until his second coming. To the glory of God and may his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And together we say... Amen.